Trace Jackson Davis still considering his NBA draft uh, future and his options in that regard. It's a special episode with a special guest today as we talk about him as a draft prospect, what the NBA could hold for him if he does make that decision. You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, guys? It is Friday, May 6th. This, as always, is Locked on Hoosiers, your daily one-stop shop for everything IU Athletics. We have your news, your analysis, your previews, your recaps of literally everything with IU Basketball. Uh, well, IU Basketball today, I should say, IU Sports in general uh, throughout the year. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Rude. I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Hoosiers part of your day today, specifically your first listen every single day. Uh, just a reminder, we're free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Premiere the episodes there at 7 a.m. every day. Be sure to join in on that conversation. As I said, we have a special guest, Mark Schindler, coming on today. Uh, covers the draft, covers the NBA, and... Uh, is a, a Pacers fan that that saw a fair amount of Trace Jackson Davis this year. So a, a perfect guy to come on to talk about uh, what Trace Jackson Davis's kind of prospects are in the NBA, some of the strengths, some of the weaknesses NBA uh, scouts will be looking at with him. Bear with me. My voice is a little hoarse, and I think I'm starting to get sickness, so uh, I apologize for that. But uh, just a reminder that we are available wherever you guys are listening to your favorite podcast app. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter as well at LO underscore Hoosiers. And you can follow me on Twitter as well at Jacob Rude. So without any further ado, let's dive into this conversation with Mark. And now, as promised, joining me, uh, writer at basketballnews.com, podcast with Tag the Roll and Indy Cornrows. Uh, Mark Schindler. Mark, man, I appreciate you coming on because the intersection of those that cover the draft and those that watched Trace last season wasn't full of a lot of people and uh, really excited we were able to to get you on to talk about Trace this year. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. It's uh, it's kind of funny. I uh, I never really like grew up an IU U fan or anything, but I grew up as a Pacers fan. So it kind of you know jointly and talking to people about the Pacers, you uh, you hear plenty about IU, especially lately with how the, how the seasons have gone. But luckily, that changed up a little bit this year. And now you hear good things about IU. In the, in the past couple of years, it might have been some some frustrating things, people venting about Archie Ball. But uh, yeah. now it is a lot more fun to talk about IU and. A lot of that had to do with Trace this season. We can kind of dive in talking about his season because uh, he comes back to Bloomington. Uh, as he said, as uh, it's been said multiple times, he said he had nine toes out the door before Mike Woodson comes in. Uh, and then Mike Woodson convinces him to stay, and he has a really big season for Indiana this past year. Uh, I mean, we were talking a little bit before um, – before we went live, but he, he took some step forwards this year. And when you kind of look at his game, what do you see as some of the strengths that he would bring to the table? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I was mentioning, I'm a little bit higher on him than I think most would be beforehand. I think he's a pretty clear second round pick to me. Um, 
I think, you know, a lot of people are going to bring up that he's undersized. He's about six foot nine, but also he has a monster wingspan, crazy bounce, like super, yeah. super vertical. I mean, granted, he has to load up a little bit, but also it just doesn't matter most of the time because he covers so much ground. Um, like, I think that will diminish in the NBA a little bit, but also like he's, he's pretty mobile. Um, I know that I don't want to hit on it too early, but we saw him play defensively a little bit differently this year, which is part of the reason why I'm still high on him. Uh, and I think I thought that he, he played well in that. Um, offensively, I think, is where it gets like a little bit murkier. Not that he's a bad offensive player, but just he's going to have a much different role in the NBA for sure. And uh, I, I think like the, my biggest question with him always has been, you know, OK, how are you going to adapt your role? Because I know what you can do if you, you have 28 or 29 percent usage in the post. It's not happening at the NBA. Um, but I think he's a he's a good enough athlete and has shown enough skill in other areas where I'm like, I'm pretty interested in taking him with in a second round um, and seeing what he can do for my team. He's he is a very interesting person to kind of project because a lot of the projection, as you said, he's going to have to change some things in how he does mainly offensively. Uh, he's not going to be able to be the type of player he is in college at the next level, nobody is really, mm -hmm. minus the elite people, are able to just sit the post uh, like that in the NBA anymore. Um, but how much, when you look at him offensively, and I mean, his post game is strong, but it, it, I think it's strong because of his kind of footwork, his ability to, to read angles and things like that. Are those things, those types of strengths, things that you can – uh, kind of build on when you look at him as a an NBA prospect? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I'd want to see at the next level is like, A, like you mentioned, his footwork's awesome in the post. Like that's another area where I think he really grew in the last couple of years. Like coming in, he had good footwork, but he was like, he just beasted people on the glass, was really strong. And I think he really worked on just because, I mean, he shot almost like 60% from two this year. You don't do that yeah. without having elite ability to actually get to your spots. Um, but I want to see him get into his actions quicker because I think when he does get opportunities to post, like if, okay, let's say he runs the floor and he gets a quick seal um, on him on a mismatch, which that's definitely a viable thing. Like I think definitely uh, like you're right in that the NBA has certainly gone away from post-ups, but I also think we've seen like more of it this year in some ways where if there are quick abilities to like, okay, you, you get trace on like a six, five wing, like say you're playing Denver and you get, you run down, you get Will Barton in the post, like throw it to trace, let him go to work. I mean, that's either a foul or a putback, or you know, even if he misses, like it's just you know, I think there's there's real value to it. Um, the biggest thing too is just like I think I I, I want to say like I differentiate with some people on how they view passing. Like I think if you take somebody who like Trace hasn't really done a lot of short roll stuff, um, mm -hmm. but he does put really good touch on his passes out of the post, and I, I value that a lot. Like he, it's not just like some like kind of careless is the wrong way to put it, but like he's got good velocity. Um, he can make them one handed. It's not like, you know, just very basic stuff. Um, so I think like to to me, that's something where I'm like, OK, I can see that improving, you know, in, in the next area. Like he's shown some of that. It's obviously not a one to one comparison, but it's enough where you're like, OK, if you can add this to your game, you become that much better of an, of an offensive player. It's very simple kind of reads and passes he makes, but he does he does them well. And mm -hmm. um, that should breed some optimism. You kind of touched on it minute ago but if you look at things he improved upon this season you have to almost start at the defensive end what did you see from him defensively that kind of caught your eye this year 
Well, it's kind of funny because normally I, I I could go back and give like all my grapes on the Big Ten media choices for for all defense, but I thought Trace actually deserved it this year. Like yeah. he was he was damn good. That was my biggest holdup with him in prior years. Like he's always had the bounce and verticality and timing to be a good rim protector. But I thought this year was his best year as a pick and roll defender ever, like by far. Um, it helped like. You know, again, saying undersized when he's, you know, like he's not technically undersized in the big, well, I guess in the Big Ten kind of playing against Kofi and Hunter Dickinson. Yeah. But like, um, I mean, getting to see him play up against the level early. Like, I remember, I, I want to say I was, I was scouting like Tavion Kinsey early in the year and wa- watched Marshall. And the first game that I saw when I was watching was like him playing against, I am like, Trace Jackson Davis is playing at the level this year. Mm-hmm. And I remember I kept watching over and over and I'm like, he's doing pretty well. Like, I think uh one thing that's really helped is his hips are really good like you see that a lot on offense he's a really good screener i think that that's another area his screening used to suck um Mm -hmm. and i think it got a lot better this year but um i I think you know playing him in in an area where he doesn't have to rely as much on his back foot um because i I don't think he's a particularly strong leaper off his back foot like if he can um if he can play up close to the level and uses hips and uses length. And I think he got a lot better at doing that this year, which again, something that was kind of newer to him. You saw him like, okay, I can clean up from behind or, or from weak side, or even then I can just funnel you to the rim if there's backline help. And I think um, especially as the NBA has shown a lot more coverage versatility this year, like I think that should be a lot more valuable to teams, just having somebody who's big, able to be in the way and make the right plays. And I think, you know, people bring up with how things have gone in the playoffs. I think it's a lot more about who's at the point of attack necessarily than who's, uh, you know, who's playing center field. But um, I mean, watching him do that consistently this year made me a lot more excited about who who he could be at the next level. The other thing defensively that a lot of people point at, maybe because it's the easiest thing to measure statistically is the blocks and the rim Mm -hmm. protection. Is that something that you see could translate as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it flows in right with that. I think to me, again, like I think he's a lot more of a weak side rim protector than somebody's yeah. protecting straight on just because of the the inability to really be super vertical off his back foot. But again, like that's still really valuable. Um, it's not again, it's not like the same thing. But I think when you're looking at, at more coverage versatility, instead of like just talking about like straight like oh, this guy's playing in a drop. Well, no, I don't think Trey should play in a drop. We saw that for two years. It wasn't very good. Yeah. Um, but now, okay, seeing him in a in a way where he can use his athleticism in a better way, um, I think his his blocks like kind of like how I view Keegan Murray. Like I think the blocks overstayed a little bit. Um, but I do think he has real value as a rim protector for sure. Want to talk about some of the areas he struggled with and kind of lead that into a conversation of him as a draft prospect, how he translates to the NBA here in just one moment. Before we start looking at the downside of Trace Jackson Davis as a prospect, summer is coming, guys, and with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the absolute perfect snack for that. You can throw them in your purse. You can throw them in your gym bag. You can throw them in your kid's backpack. Make sure that everyone has a bar so that you are fueled for your summer adventures. The best part about Built Bars, they're healthy and they're delicious. Built Bars kind of motto or mission is to make a Built Bar taste good and then figure out how to make it healthy for you. I don't know how they do it, but every time they seem to pull it off, covered in 100% real chocolate, and yet you can compare them to whatever your favorite candy bar is. They're going to be better for you. Most Built Bars have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 
about 17 grams of protein. Compare that to whatever your favorite candy bar is. It's going to be better for you just across the board. So go to built.com, get all your favorite flavors, whether it's banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate, cookies and cream, salted caramel, whatever it is. Once you guys pick out what you're going to be, uh, what your built bar is going to be, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Thanks again for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. Now let's dive back into this conversation on Trace Jackson Davis as a prospect. So we've said all of the positive things about Trace, but obviously there's some negatives. Otherwise, he wouldn't uh, be considering coming back, really, and he wouldn't be in the kind of second round or undrafted projection he's at. Uh, I guess where do you start with some of the, if not negatives, just kind of some of the, the holdbacks or, or things that um, he weaknesses he needs to improve upon? Yeah, Um I think, you know, some people get hung up a little bit too much with the jump shot. Like, I don't really care if he's a jump shooter. Like, I think after seeing him his first year, it's pretty clear this guy's never going to shoot, at least at a level yeah. that's meaningful. Like, and I don't mean to be unfair to him, but it's just like the, the indicators aren't there from the free throw line. He just doesn't take jump shots anywhere. Um, and I think that's one of the things where, like, to me, ideally, he'd be somebody who was, like, doesn't have to cash every shot. But, like, so if you could shoot, like, 44% on like a 10 footer like that is meaningful. I think just being able to force the defense to guard you out a little bit more than just from, you know, five feet in um, because even then, like he, I don't want to say he has bad touch, but it is not awesome. Um, he really doesn't have a floater. His hook shot is like solid, but he still is pretty one hand dominant. Same thing with his layups, which I think like to me, um, I don't want to say that that doesn't matter. Like, I do think sometimes people micro pick a little bit too much during a draft class. I'm like, well, this guy can only do stuff with his left hand. I'm like, well, if he's still getting there, like that's you worry about it at the NBA. That's something he's mm -hmm. going to grow into. Um, but especially for somebody who is really like kind of predicated on, well, either I'm scoring out of the post or on putbacks, it is tough. Uh, and I, I do think that's one of the things we're like watching him, even if he does become more of a, a short role playmaker, which I think is possible. It's kind of like, okay, well, if, Let's say that uh, you, you they bring up his defender closer to the level, and or he gets high tagged. Then what's happening? Okay, is is your processing going to be at a at a high enough level where you're making the the pass quick enough to still punish defense? And that will be the other area where I'm not as sure. Um, I don't think that he's like a terrible processor of the game, but also like I mean he'll make the right plays, he'll make the right reads, but it's never it's never super quick. And again, I think part of that is like I want to see if that can change in the NBA because Indiana's never been a real fast moving team. Um, so, you know, if that could change, that would be awesome. But I also am just, I'm not entirely sure that is something that will change, but I also think it's something that's worth figuring out. Yeah. And <clears throat> kind of talking on his jumper. I mean, it's something I've touched on. I'm a pretty big believer in like, if you're, if you can shoot well at the free throw line, you probably have some type of jumper in there. Mm -hmm. He's a very, he he's just like above average maybe at the free throw line for his position. I mean, he's only a, a 67% free throw shooter, but also more than anything, he just doesn't want to take those types of shots. Yeah. He's had them open. He's had the chance to, and it's just not something he wants to do. So it's hard to say, Oh, well, when he gets to the NBA, he'll take that. It's just not really something he's comfortable with. And he's played for 
20 some odd years playing this way. So mm-hmm. it's hard to see him kind of changing that. The other thing um, that I've seen, and you've mentioned it a couple times, just kind of the undersized label. I know in um, maybe 10, 12 years ago, he'd be someone we'd call a tweener of sorts. But um, in, in some ways, the modern NBA kind of helps him because it isn't as much about the size anymore. But are, are you worried at all that he's effectively going to have to be a six nine center in the NBA? Is that a weakness as well, you think? Um, I think some teams would probably be turned off by it, or I'd imagine a lot of them are. But to me, like I – I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but I think it's all about do you have the other skills to make it not matter? Um, because like we mentioned, like he has, I mean, it's it's all about functionality to me. Like he has like real pop as a vertical athlete and he has a, a, an elite wingspan and he plays. I mean, he he's not somebody I worry about phys- physicality wise. Like he's yeah. a very physical player. Um, and honestly, it was like probably more phys- like, I mean, as as you know, I, do you, I'm trying to I'm, do you live in Indiana? Yeah, I'm assuming. Indianapolis. Okay, so you've watched Miles Turner play. So oh, yeah, I yeah. think like I love Miles. Miles is like exactly like Miles was starting center in the NBA, and Trace would eat his lunch physically. So, yeah. um, so like that's an aspect to me that I'm not as worried about. The <clears throat> kind of moving towards kind of tra- or projecting him to the NBA. One thing that we kind of touched on, and something that I think, um teams will have to kind of make the judgments on themselves is offensively just what he's going to be able to bring to the table. And uh, I mean, something that Indiana started to do at the end of the season was a lot more pick and roll, uh, a lot more showing off his athleticism as a lob catcher, uh, his finishing ability and things like that. Um, I mean, we mentioned that kind of projecting him offensively is going to have to He's going to have to change his role from what he typically does. But how much does something like that, seeing his ability to be a, a pick and roll finisher, um, is, is that something that teams are going to expect him to or hope he'll be able to do? Yeah, definitely. And I think even even more so with the, the pick and roll finishing, like I view him as somebody who is going to be a plus as a DHO operator too. Again, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a lot more of like how can he – improve as a uh like can he I don't, I don't think his handle like it's not it's not awesome but it's also not like compared to other fives like i think he has a little bit more there um but like okay if if a if a dho gets denied can he take one or two dribbles downhill and, and make a play that i'm i'm a lot less confident in but i do think like looking at him as a screener like again like i think i mentioned that earlier like his uh he really improved as a screener this year and like i mentioned too like the 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 ability to quick flip his hips is like that's another thing that sounds really minute but like when you're looking at how quick nba offenses are running and um the difference between you know getting an extra step or two and not getting one can be how quickly you're able to flip a screen or how quickly you're able to change the direction you're going and i think he has really good lateral change of direction like that um so I think like, yeah, like you're mentioning, I mean, as a lot, I think he had 84 dunks this year, if I read it correctly, which is like, or at least 84 attempted dunks. Yeah. Insta has it. Is he 68 dunks total, which is like nuts. And that sounds about right after watching him play. Um, and yeah, I mean, like he's a very real lobster, right? He's not just like somebody who's like, you know, able, like I, I always look at it. There's like different categories, like Rudy Gobert always is called a lob threat, but I think it's kind of like fake is the wrong way to put it, but it's not like. A lob threat to me is somebody you can throw the ball up to, and it, even if it seems like it's going over the hoop, like they're yeah. catching and bringing it down. I think Trace is that kind of guy. We saw that a couple times uh, in those latter weeks of the season where 
Xavier Johnson's lob passes looked like they were flying into the second row of the stands and Trace caught it somehow and finished it. So I thought that when kind of looking towards his uh, whatever his NBA career may hold was an interesting development for him. Uh, And then I I guess just overall as a a prospect, I mean, I know this isn't uh, this is kind of a an unfair question in some sense, but I mean, how do you view this kind of balance for him, for someone like Trace, where uh, it seems like he potentially could be a second round prospect versus staying in college? I mean, how do you kind of view that debate? And do you typically lean one way or the other for a player like Trace? Is it worth more coming back one more year and maybe trying to work on that stuff or going to the NBA and just focusing on your game and practice in the G League, things like that? Yeah, um, I think it's that's a good question because I think so much of it to me is what's your feedback that you're getting. Um, you know, we're not going to know like unless he like somehow makes it public. But um, what and that's one of the things where I, I have struggled with with him a little bit is because knowing that he's tested the waters before, it's not that he didn't improve his game, but like he improved his game in the areas he was already pretty good at. And like I'm glad that he did that, but also like with how things went the last two years. I would have loved to see him take more floaters. I would have loved to see him try and do, and, and again, part of that's on coaching. It's not like fully on him, but that is what makes it kind of murky. So I do wonder like, okay, if he, if he were to come back next year, I don't think that I would uh, be fully in on him, like becoming a first round draft pick, but okay, let's say that he and Mike Woodson get together and they talk about what his, uh, you know, what his um, feedback was. And he's like, how can I, improve on this stuff can we work on this next year or obviously there's a lot more that goes into it but um that would be something really interesting to me because i do think like it it becomes like uh it becomes a question like i think a lot of people like i'll just get to the nba but it's about security man like if you're getting picked 45 or later i mean you might not be on the roster in two years so what what's that organizational development or investment really in you um so to me like it all becomes what kind i mean maybe even if he like strikes a deal outside of as an undrafted free agent like he gets like a three-year deal or something um because that i mean we've seen it happen more recently um again it's all just about like what he's comfortable doing and and what makes sense for him and and i think the nil makes it a lot easier for him to come back too um but i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't mind seeing him back again it would be good for indiana for sure if he came back but i think it's all about you know what's what's right for him yeah, the NIL money is something we talked about as well that uh, makes this a lot more interesting because uh, I believe regardless if he leaves or not, he's already signed a six-figure NIL deal for next season. And, I mean, that type of money, maybe not six figures, but uh, NIL money is going to be flowing in if he comes mm-hmm. back next season. So um, it doesn't probably quite match up to what he would make in – uh, NBA contract or, or a two-way deal or something like that, but it closes a gap quite a bit and yeah. makes it a much more interesting debate. I don't want to talk only about Trace on this. There's a Big Ten had a number of prospects this season, so we'll touch on some of the guys that could be drafted uh, in the draft this June from the Big Ten here in just a moment. Before we talk other Big Ten uh, prospects and, and guys that are going to be at the top of the draft, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, uh, as well as Major League Baseball. And this weekend's Run to the Roses, with the Kentucky Derby being back. 
Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, whether it's live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, let's dive back into this conversation and talk about who some of the best guys with the Big Ten will be in the NBA draft this year. So when you start talking about Big Ten prospects uh, in the NBA draft, there's kind of two names that are going to be mentioned at the top. You mentioned one of them earlier, Keegan Murray and Jaden Ivey. I guess uh, what where do you have those two ranked? Do you think – I mean, I assume both those guys are most likely going to be lottery picks. Yeah, I have Jaden. Like, to, to me, I think uh... – so I don't really like boards with them. Like I do a board just because I need it to like keep things processing in my head. But uh, I think to me, it's it's fluid on each team. Like I think that there are situations where if Jaden went one, I wouldn't think it's insane. Um, I think some people would tell you it is, but I also think like, okay, if, you know, let's say that new Orleans gets the first pick overall, which is not going to happen, but you know, theoretically does Powell make that much sense on that team? Like not that he doesn't, but, and I, and it becomes a whole fit and, and whatnot thing, but I also think like fit does matter. Um, they need guards. Like I would understand Jane going one. Uh, but I think to me, he's like a definite top four guy. I, I would be pretty shocked if he slid out of the top four. It seems likely. I mean, not like it seems possible, but um, I personally wouldn't, wouldn't see that. Um, Keegan for me is somebody who I really am trying to get a better grasp on. Uh, I did more of a deep dive project like the last week or so um, trying to get a better feel on him because I mean, you know, from watching him, he is a uh, like, I was watching him play against Ohio State the other day. I love AJ Liddell, who I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute. But, like, um, I just remember watching that game. Like, Zed Key and and AJ Liddell had that man in hell, and he had 17 points in, like, seven minutes. And I'm just, like, my entire page of notes from that that first half is, like, all pretty lukewarm stuff. Like, oh, he's not creating separation. You know, he's not really – you know, he's not getting anything going with the ball in his hands. And then I checked the box and I'm like, he has 17 points right now. Like <laughs> production really does matter. Um, I think it's hard to parse through sometimes um, how much it matters. Um, but I also think like what makes him really interesting is, at least to me, I don't really see star upside with him. I think some people maybe do, and that's why they have him as high. Um, I still think he's like, you know, like a 6 to 12 guy for me for sure. Um, a lot's just going to depend on what can come with that handle because he's really not bendy. He doesn't have a lot of flexibility or, or – a lot in his handle um like he always is, is trying that spin move to go back to his right um i think a lot's just going to be how much can he develop as a driver because i think the shot is for real i think the defense is going to be better than it looked this year because the blocks were really high but like i hate watching iowa's defense just being frank like there it was part of its personnel but also he, he was not great defensively this year um but yeah i i'm really excited about both those guys in the nba for sure a lot of times there wasn't much of a defense to watch for Iowa this season. Yeah. Uh, they they struggled quite mightily in that regard. IU obviously saw both these guys twice with Keegan. They saw kind of the best and the worst of him, I guess, in, in both guys. The first meeting uh, with Iowa, Keegan didn't really do a lot in the regular season game and then uh, had a monster game in the Big Ten tournament against the Hoosiers. Kind of the same with Jaden. Uh, the game in Assembly Hall – Jaden Ivey absolutely took over in the second half and pulled Purdue back into that game. But then the game back at home, he did. I think he only finished with 10 points. So uh, IU definitely saw a lot of those two. You mentioned some other names that are um, kind of more in the middle of the first round, maybe the back end of it. 
uh, Johnny Davis, Wisconsin, EJ Liddell, and Malachi Branham from Ohio State. Uh, what's your just take on, on those those three guys and uh, whether they're all going to be first round picks as well? I love Johnny. Um, yeah. Johnny is such a fun player, man. I, as much as I, I can't stand so many things about Wisconsin, like way too many to name, uh, Johnny is like the the sole bright spot there. I love I love watching him play. Um, and he's another guy who's like so interesting to think about what he's going to look like in the league because I think he had what like 33, 34% usage this year, which that's that's not going to happen next year. And a lot of it was obviously it's not like bad decision making or anything. It's just that's it was, you know, Johnny in a prayer pretty much and sometimes Brad Davidson doing uh, illegal stuff. But um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I mean, that's that was like their whole offense this year. So I love watching him play. I think he's going to be really good. Like, I don't, I think that he has some all star upside, but I think a lot more just like. He's going to be a really good NBA player for a decade, um, mm-hmm. which sounds like very ill nuanced. But I just think I've been watching him play. He's so technically sound. Um, I think my like I, I'm not normally a comp person, but every time I watch him, I'm like, oh, that's kind of like if George Hill was like 20 pounds heavier and like yeah. really stocky. <laughs> like that's that's how I, I, I view him. I'm like, oh, yeah, I kind of see that um, with Malachi. I'm biased because Malachi played high school ball about 20 minutes from where I live. So. I've seen him for like three or four years now. Uh, I was really excited about him coming into OSU and he blew me away completely. Um, he mm-hmm. also blew away IU at one point this year. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it was, it was wild to watch his in-season development. He went from a guy who I didn't even start the first game, uh, but then actually played a huge part in their comeback. And I want to say it was against Akron it was their first game. Um, and then he started every game from there on out. Um, I think didn't even average like double digits in his first two months of basketball and then had like that heater right after they came back from their COVID break uh, and never really looked back. Like he's so interesting to me because he's like, he's got some similarities to Johnny and just like the, you see the shot creation, uh, not necessarily a bursty guy. Um, His ability to rise and fire over anybody is just really damn impressive, especially too like um, seeing him grow as a three point shooter was really awesome because like in high school, he played the four a lot because St. Vincent St. Mary's was pretty small when he was there. Wasn't really a shooter at all from outside, uh, just pretty much strictly operating from mid-range. Um, so to see him just come out and be like, oh, I shoot threes now was, was a pretty wild development. His defense sucks, if we're being honest. Like, mm-hmm. um, he can fall asleep off the ball. Um, I don't think that's the worst. Like, I think that'll improve. But I do have questions about, you know, his frame is not really uh, great for defense at the point of attack or chasing over screens. He's got, like, pretty broad shoulders. He has high hips. Um, so it's just easy to get snagged on screens, but overall, like I have him as a top 10 guy. Like I, I've very much gotten there with him. Um, the passing is good. He has good fuel. He's just about the youngest player in the draft, which I don't think age matters as much as some people, you know, pretended to, but, um, he's going to be good, man. I'm really excited about him. And then kind of after that, uh, it's a bit of a drop off to, the rest of the potential Big Ten prospects. Are there any under the radar guys that you're that you really like or, or you see could be steals in the draft? Yeah, I mean, I love EJ Liddell. Um, I think his defense is legit. Um, I, I sometimes like small ball four or fives can get overrated, but I think like to me, like we mentioned earlier with Trace's passing, like I think EJ is a really solid passer for his position. I know a lot of it came out of the post, but I also think he showed some good stuff from the perimeter. Like the handle's like good enough to to, to operate as a four. Um, the shot really came along this year. I love his like he's a he's definitely a good quick decision maker. He does um, 
just, he just does smart stuff with the ball in his hands. And I, it's most of the defense for me. Like, I'm so in on what he can bring defensively. Um, I mean, especially watching, like, pretty much anybody this year, seeing him make some – you know, he'll be, like, on the, the weak side at the nail and, like, flying to make a, a contest at the rim, stuff like that. Um, I really like him as a prospect. Um, very random shout, but, like, I think Trent Frazier is going to be a good UDFA guy, um, like, just because – Guy D's up like crazy and he hits his shots. Um, so we'll see if he actually sticks in the league. I don't think he's like an awesome ball handler or passer, but I do think that there's like enough there if a team like I don't know, like Denver always loves to give random to random guards a, a signing. Like if Marcus Howard can get drafted, then I think that Trent Fraser can get a UDFA. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Like I like Gabe Brown a lot as a two-way. You know, he's definitely a I don't know what to expect if he gets run off the line, but I also think the shooting is just good enough. He has size that people are going to you know, be willing to buy into that. Um, I like Max Christie, but I think he's going to go back to school. It really seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, I also – random shot too, but uh, look out for his brother. His brother's going to be good too. Um, I like him a lot. He's coming in, I think, two years. But um, those would probably be it for my Big Ten guys right now. I know a lot of talk around IU for various reasons uh, has been around Ron Harper Jr., who uh, is another guy that buried Indiana and and at the time we thought buried their um, tournament hopes. But fortunately, uh, it looks like he will be in the NBA next season. Mm -hmm. He's another one that will be interesting to watch as a a wing. And uh, with the modern NBA, everybody loves wings. So – be interesting to see if he will be able to to stick in the NBA as well. Well, man, I appreciate a ton you coming on and doing this and really providing a lot of insight into kind of some of the thinking with Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, let everybody know where they can find you and your work at. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at MG underscore Schindler. I work over at Basketball News. I have a podcast called Tag the Roll with my buddy Jake Rosen, who's also a scout. Um, yeah, I appreciate you having me on, man. This was a blast. Yeah, absolutely. And be sure to go follow him. Check out those podcasts, especially as draft coverage is really getting uh, underway. And with the draft about a month and a half away now, it's uh, it's draft season. So be sure to go check all his workout. And again, one more big thanks to Mark for coming on. As I said, it was hard to find somebody that watched uh, Trace Jackson Davis this year and covered the draft. Trace being kind of a, a late second round undrafted prospect. Mark fit the bill perfectly in a, a great conversation with him. So make sure you guys go follow all of his, uh, whether it's him, him on Twitter or his podcast as well. Thanks again, guys, for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen every day. We'll be back next week continuing our offseason coverage of IU athletics, both college and pro. Now make your second listen Locked on Big Ten with Nate Dickinson. I was on Thursday's show. You guys can go give that a listen. We talked about the Big Ten media rights and what that deal could entail uh, for the Big Ten here coming up. So be sure to give that a listen and get your daily Big Ten news with Nate throughout the week. Appreciate all the love, the feedback uh, you guys continue to give us. Uh, Follow us on Twitter if you haven't already. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a rating and review. But most importantly, though, guys, Have a a terrific Friday and a great weekend in LEO.